welcome to episode 24 of the Vibrant You Health Show. Today's episode is a very recent release, so it will be a little break from the catch-up we have been playing releasing old episodes that were previously unavailable in audio format. Today's interview is with Dr. Jim Meehan, and it was an incredible interview. Dr. Meehan doesn't pull any punches. He was appointed to West Point Military Academy, attended medical school in Oklahoma, completed his residency at Washington University and Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri for ophthalmology. He has been chief resident of the John Cochran VA Medical Center, associate editor for the Journal of Ocular Immunology and Inflammation, a top-ranked eye surgeon or ophthalmologist, if you will, and today he is a physician, accomplished leader, and entrepreneur whose passion and purpose is to help people understand how their bodies are designed to heal and obtain optimal functionality. Dr. Meehan has dedicated his God-given purpose to expose the greed, fraud, and pseudoscience responsible for the corruption of the American healthcare system and the intolerable harm, suffering, and even death of America's children perpetrated by an out-of-control, unaccountable, and uncaring pharmaceutical industry. You can watch and listen to all episodes of the Vibrant You Health Show at naturespantry.life or follow Blake Bars on Vimeo for video episodes. Please like and subscribe to help us get the word out. Welcome to the Vibrant You Health Show. This is your host, Blake Bars. At Nature's Pantry, our mission is to lead you to vibrant health through the best nutrition, supplementation, and expertise. In the Vibrant You Health Show, we aren't interested in fads or quick fixes, but rather we want to get into the holistic fundamentals to health. We want to answer the questions like, what are the underlying causes of health issues? What are the keys to optimal health? The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your healthcare provider. If your provider has a strong understanding of nutrition and holistic health, even better. The opinions expressed on this show are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of Nature's Pantry. All right. Welcome everybody to episode 24 of the Vibrant You Health Show. I am honored and privileged to have my special guest today, Dr. Jim Meehan. Thank you, sir, so much for joining me. Oh, it's great to be with you, Blake. It's an honor to participate in sharing the truth, as I know you have been. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Now, you know, I came across you on a Stand for Health Freedom webinar where you're talking about uh, masks and the implications for children. And I really appreciate all the things you said. And then I started digging in a little bit um, to your story. And I was, I was really um, inspired by your story and what you've been through personally um, and kind of the journey you've gone from, you know, med- medical school and then getting more t- tied into functional medicine through some of your own health issues. So mm-hmm. could you just tell me a little bit about kind of your background and your story? And- yeah, well, you know, I started off my, you know, I, I, my college training at the United States Military Academy at West Point. And um, I went, you know, later went into medicine. Um, I, I went into medicine much later in my life. In fact, I, I ran my father's company for a while. I was older when I went into medical school. I got a degree in, in uh, uh, additional degree, I should say, in biology from Tulsa University, went to OU Medical School, uh, did an internship in internal medicine, managed, you know, ICUs and ventilators. Um, and, uh, and then then went in, did my primary training at Washington University in St. Louis, one of the premier medical schools, research centers, 
and I did my training in ophthalmology, began my career as an ophthalmic surgeon and specialist in eye disease. But it was also during that time that I was the medical editor of a medical journal called Ocular Inflammation and Immunology. And, and that's really what changed everything for me because early in my career, I started seeing, you know, excellent studies being denied publication because they cast, you know, doubt or confronted some dogma in medicine that um, uh, the medicine didn't want to confront or uh, specifically had, you know, the mind opening experience that I had is I had two studies that were showing an association of um, uh, childhood um, uh, bleeding in the back of the, of a child's eyes um, associated very strongly with reception of, of a battery of vaccines that often is given at 12 months of age. And so these, the, these two studies, one from Italy and one from the West coast of the United States were showing that these vaccines might be the cause of this, these retinal hemorrhages. Now, what's interesting is those retinal hemorrhages are often um, diagnosed as a cardinal sign of shaken baby syndrome. So child abuse, you know, a, a parent taking their child and shaking them so aggressively that it would cause the retina to shear and to bleed. These two studies were saying, wait a second, we, you know, number one, the, the mechanisms of injury, you can't shake a child that hard. Um, number two, this may be a vascular, a retinal vasculitis or inflammation in the blood vessels that follows vaccination. And we know that many vaccinations cause a significant inflammatory process, can damage blood vessels. And they were both, both these studies came across my desk at the same time. I reviewed them. They met all the criteria for excellent science, methodology, statistics, no conflicts of interest. I recommended them for publication and the senior editor denied them. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I was an associate editor at the time. So I called a meeting and said, you know, first time I've had any of my publications, you know, um, that I've recommended for publication, not get published in it. And I said, why, what did I miss? He said, Jim, you didn't miss anything. You just don't know how the game is played. And then he went on to say, the problem is if we publish these two studies that are, you know, showing an association of, of childhood vaccines with this uh, retinal bleeding in the back of eyes, number one, that that cast doubt on the MMR vaccine and that Merck, the manufacturer of the MMR vaccine is a major donor to our university. So he was he basically sat there and told me that because um, uh, um, Merck is a major donor to our university, they would exert pressure on the, this medical journal and um, I, I would lose my job and he would probably lose his job. And I was just flabbergasted by the idea that we were going to be controlled by a pharmaceutical company right. and that good science that especially science that, you know, I, that confronted dogma in medicine, because the dogma at that time was these retinal hemorrhages are, are associated with shaken baby syndrome. And I, I had confronted this issue about a couple dozen times in, in my, um, my early medical career where I'm, call down to the ER to examine a child, dilate their eyes. And if, if I saw retinal hemorrhages, they were pretty much calling child protective services and separating that child from the parents. And you wow. interview the parents, um, you find, you know, um, parents that will tell you a story. Well, you know, I, I don't know what happened. You know, they're remorseful. They don't look like somebody that would, you know, shake their baby, but more importantly, there were no physical exam findings to, 
that that would you know suggest that that was a, even a possible mechanism. There's no bruising. There's no soft right. tissue injuries. Anyway, that's yeah. that was a that was a really eye opening experience for me. And at the time, I you know it, I, it was the it was the initial event. I wasn't a hill. I was prepared to die on at that time, mm-hmm. but it was it was the the first you know, in a series of events, it started to wake me up to what's really happening in medicine. And then I started seeing it everywhere, yeah. uh, not publishing good science, not publishing science that should be published because it would, you know, it would, uh, we would face repercussions from the pharmaceutical industry that donates. I mean, they're buying off doctors, they're buying off universities. And in fact, when they don't control what's being pub- published that way, they're often being caught creating you know, um, their own bought and paid for studies. I mean, the fact that we're allowing Pfizer to do their own preclinical trials on these vaccines right. is, is absolutely wrong behind closed doors without adequate oversight. You know, they got a external review board that's populated by doctors with conflicts of interest and scientists with conflicts of interest. So it's, it was no surprise, for example, when the, the, the case of Maddie Daguerre, a 12 year old, young, um, young woman whose parents signed her up for the pediatric, um, Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine preclinical trial. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was a study of 1,132 children. She was one of those children. Um, Pfizer actually removed her from the study. They classified her injury and her injury, by the way, is she is paralyzed. She's in a wheelchair um, her GI system was so destroyed that she has to be fed through a feeding tube that passes through her nose and into her stomach. She's seriously injured from the Pfizer vaccines that were, that were administered to her. And they classified her as functional abdominal pain. They, they, you know, they disregard and tried to diminish the severity of her injury, of her injury, removed her from the study so that the, the, that vaccine would be approved by the FDA. I mean, that's criminal. That is, that is absolutely criminal activity by a, um, a company that has done this many times. They paid billions of dollars in fine and been found guilty in, in court for manipulating the trial. And here we are, you know, experimenting on the population with an untested, never before done mRNA technology. Right. And that's the kind of crap that we cannot allow in medicine. And the fact that they aren't, you know, being held, um, and disdain and shame and, and, um, you know, forced to face the consequences of manipulating a a preclinical trial is just intolerable to me. But that's kind of what we, you know, that's kind of what we've seen in Mm -hmm. medicine and, and especially during this pandemic, people are waking up to the level of fraud, corruption, pseudoscience, how pharma, how the pharmaceutical industry is controlling the medical establishment. One of the things that I always like to make sure people are aware of is how my profession has become so controlled by the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, you know, 20 plus years ago when I was a young medical student, um, I saw it then I was present in my class. I was, you know, I was appalled that we had professors teaching us medicine that were, you know, on the boards of pharmaceutical companies. They were they were controlling from the first day of medical school to the last day of a physician's practice. The pharmaceutical industry has way too much control over everything that we're taught. It's, it's a process of not only indoctrin, 
indoctrination, but I think it's a process of brainwashing, especially when you've got these young heads full of mush, you know, that are fresh out of college and they're going into medical school and it's a hard time. It's traumatic. And, and, you know, it's, it's a brainwashing process that makes you think that, you know, that makes you recite mantras like vaccines are safe and effective or, you know, um, uh, the science is settled. The science is never, never settled. Any scientist that tells you the science is settled isn't a scientist. They're a minion. They're a pawn and they're not using their, you know, clinical reasoning, their medical decision-making they're dangerous. And, and um, so, you know, that's, it's, we, we have to understand that medicine has lost its way that too many of my colleagues are, are sitting by and saying, Hey, there's, you know, there's, we have nothing to treat you. If you get COVID, I'm sorry, just go home until you can't breathe then go to the hospital. And then in these hospitals, they're using drugs like remdesivir that were too dangerous um, to treat Ebola patients, a very lethal um, infectious disease, but the remdesivir was too dangerous to even use in that disease process. And yet it has become the, the default treatment of so many patients in hospitals. I mean, we're killing more people with remdesivir in hospital than the virus is. We've, right. you know, it, it's, Again, it's well, at least it's under patent still. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's not only is it under patent, but you know, Fauci's got a piece of it. I mean, that's that's a huge problem in medicine that we have allowed Anthony Fauci to build an empire controlling all of the medical, you know, research funding. <clears throat> he sits on an empire of six point one billion dollars. If if you if you will give Anthony Fauci the research that supports his, you know, false narratives, um, you know, uh, and he did it in HIV, he's doing it in COVID-19, but he's destroyed good scientists throughout his career. He's controlled the, the scientific research um, empire right. and manipulated to his own, to, to his own design. Mm-hmm. And he's profiting you know, all along the pathway. I mean, everybody should read. It should be required reading and the new, you know, education system that I hope arises out of this nonsense. But mm-hmm. it, it, the, the book by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. called The Real Anthony Fauci. If you read that book, you will come away understanding why we are so lost in the, mm-hmm. the science, why it's so corrupt and why we're doing things like, you know, um, dismissing ivermectin, uh, dismissing hydroxychloroquine. We're not talking about vitamin D. And instead, we're talking about uh, experimenting on the population with gene therapies that were. And not just experimenting, but mandating it in many, in many cases. Oh, I think I lost just a bit of a connection with you there. Um, Yeah, so. I'll just uh, fill in a little bit here while we wait for Dr. Meehan to reconnect. Any science, you know, any scientist or any doctor with any level of discernment, integrity, and, and the courage to speak out about it. And so I am, you know, that's, I've been, uh, it looks like we're, we're breaking up a little bit here, Blake. Yeah, sorry, I'm going to, I forgot to uh, plug into landline internet here. Oh, there we go. Hopefully that 
switching connection doesn't cause us any issues here. Yeah, yeah I sorry, I um I lost you there for a moment. Yeah, I saw it kind of yeah, lock up. I, that book is is pretty interesting and um I uh I think it's you know the the depth and width of the tentacles um of big pharma and and pe- people like Anthony Fauci are kind of astounding and you know I've definitely seen it in in my industry where you know anything that is you know talking about vitamins being good is demonized and anything you know it's like uh you're almost better off not having a medical license yeah I mean it really is I mean it's like my I have five children and five grandchildren and some of my children, you know, they considered for a while going into medicine. I told them, don't, you know, go into, you know, become a nutritionist, become a, a naturopath, a chiropractor. Um, don't my my this medical system is 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 just broken. It's tragically broken. We let the insurance companies come in. They're a parasite on the whole system. You know, we're spending a lot of money for a system that has no return on investment. Oh, and, big time. We are the, we spend the most money on, on, we are the most medicated and the sickest country in the world. And we have the biggest medical budget. And, you know, talking absolutely. about insurance, even if we did something as simple as making insurance, have, changing insurance regulation to be able to cover some natural things, you would see a leveling absolutely. of the playing field. You know, we don't want conventional to go away. We just want both to have a level playing field. And that would, that would really, um, help produce more of a free market situation. The situation we're in is more of a a medical monopoly. Um, Well, it is. It was created that way by the, you know, this is the Rockefeller medical business model. The Rockefellers really um, took over the medical establishment, you know, uh, in the 30s and 40s and created a system that is designed to cause profit for their, you know, ventures. It's all about money. And, and as a result, you know, that's, that's why the, you know, my profession has become a bunch of pill pushers, you know, mm-hmm. a drug for every diagnosis, a pill for every ill. And we're many of the, many of the drugs that we're prescribing um, cause more harm than good. And right. many of the drugs that, you know, the FDA is approved gets, get recalled after they've killed, you know, tens of thousands, if not millions of people. Right. Um, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it seems like we're we're going after covering symptoms um, instead of getting to the underlying issue. I mean, what is a, what is a doc? I mean, there's obviously, and don't get me wrong, doctors are amazing people, nurses are amazing people. Like, yeah. I don't know many people who have the the courage of a you know soldier and the heart of a friend and family member all in the same moment and have just huge huge responsibilities on them and hearts of gold. Um, but the system, you know, it's not the people, it's a system, right? And, and they're really handcuffed to, to follow, you know, the corporate dictates, um, what, you know, which if, if your job is, is a, you know, corporate leader is to make sure the bottom line is right. You know, that's what you're focused on. And, and when the, when the system is incentivizing you to do one thing and de-incentivizing you to do anything else, or, you know, making it even impossible, you know, this these are some issues we need to deal with. And, you know, I've said, uh, you know, one thing we could really fix some of our politicians and the political system is to make it so, well, I don't even care. Let's pay them a lot of money and tax dollars for their salary. But the minute you take any incentive 
or any uh, money or your kid gets into school or any kind of incentive at all, you go to jail immediately. Right. Yeah. You know, as soon as we get uh, industries fingers out of our politicians pockets um, and and out from around their necks, you know, it just seems like two, sorry. It just seems like two, like what you have, you have these two parties, right. And it just seems like, you know, we got the corruption on both sides and you have people on one side who are friends with these corporations and people on this side who are friends with these corporations and special interests. And it's like, you know, wait, wait, are, you're supposed to represent us. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're exactly right. That is one of the key issues that would change a lot of what's gone wrong in, in the medical systems that have been created because it, it was, I mean, you take the, the national childhood vaccine injury act of 1986. That was a, that was the, um, the first time that an industry like the pharmaceutical industry had been given um, immunity to liability from the deaths and harm that their vaccines were causing in the 1980s. You know, there was there, there were the the courts were backed up with vaccine injury cases, DPT, um, diphtheria, pertussis and tetanus vaccine, a combination vaccine that was inflaming and destroying the brains and the bodies of many of, of American children. The courts were flooded with these cases of vaccine injury. The pharmaceutical industry, you know, petitions government and says, look, you're going to have to give us immunity or we're going to stop making these vaccines. And, they, you know, of course, they had a huge number of lobbyists come in, um, you know, trying to make these politicians believe that vaccines were the, you know, m- miracle modern medicine. They were the best thing that medicine had ever created. It's, it, you know, it's a false narrative, but the, the thing that they did is they started funding, channeling tons of money into these politicians. They were buying votes and they continue to do it to this day. That's why we have once again given that, you know, these experimental vaccines a that for which the manufacturers have no liability whatsoever, removing liability, the, the ability to take a corporation to court if their vaccine harms you or is found to be defective in any way. That is an important check and balance that we cannot allow to happen because since since the passage of the the Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, um, we have seen an explosion in the number of vaccines. Vaccines are now one of the most profitable areas in the pharmaceutical industry because, again, they don't have to they don't have to pay for deaths and harm in courts. And I've I've also heard um, a couple of people say, and I don't you know know for sure, but it's like they it's almost like they need vaccines because some of the newer science and some of the newer natural methods of healing are gaining more and more popularity and people are starting to yeah. see. And really, honestly, if people went to the doctor and they had an option that their insurance would pay for this or this, yeah, um, they would a lot of times try the natural for, at least first, right? Um, Absolutely. But I they're mean, not even given an option. Okay. It's, it's this option, right? It's key. Like just to say it's chemo or radiation, right? Or there's a natural option. One, your insurance will pay for, and one is going to cost you a hundred grand out of pocket. What are you yeah. going to lose? You know, that's exactly right. Well, you know, and, and the truth of the matter is, um, one of the best interventions that you can do to prevent almost every you know um, infectious disease on the planet won't cost you very much. You know, you you get out in the sun and you get your vitamin D optimized, and when you can't be out in the sun, you take you know vitamin D with K two in it. You it's get like you know you get your for four months. Yeah. I mean, we should have been Anthony Fauci should have instead of pimping vaccines for his own personal self-interest and financial 
an increase. You should have been talking about vitamin D. You're, mm-hmm. If you're worried about the minority populations having worse disease, you start talking about vitamin D because you got more melanin in your skin. You need you need to supplement with some vitamin D. And right. then, you know, vitamin D, vitamin C, quercetin, zinc, it, you support the health of your immune system because the immune system is perfectly created. Mm-hmm. It works really well unless you just beat it down with Krispy Kremes, Mountain Dew and McDonald's and, mm-hmm. you know, um, genetically modified chicken and food of all kinds. Get your get your supplements right. Get some targeted supplements in your body and you have the bet one of the best defenses right. against this virus. Like, That's health we, food yeah. store stuff. Yeah. Why aren't we talking about, you know, exercise, sleep, you know, stress reduction, you know, because. Uh, <laughs> well, your- yeah, because we have a system that my profession will give you a sleep medication that will, you know, will put your brain to sleep, cause you to wake up in the middle of the night, sleepwalk, eat the contents of your refrigerator, <laughs> have sex with a dog. I kid, I kid you not. Ambien puts the human brain to sleep, leaves the, you know, the primal brainstem awake and people do really weird things. But we got a pill for every one of those problems for you, Blake. I mean, you know, that's 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 the problem is we got a pill for every ill and it's cheap. We've made medicine, you know, this insurance system, you think it's cheap. They're taking seven hundred dollars out of your paycheck every month. Right. Um, and and you think it's you know, you're paying a hundred dollar copay or fifty dollar copay and your medicines don't cost very much. But you know what they're costing you? They're right. costing you your 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 neurotransmitter balance, your hormonal balance. Yeah. You, you think you can just take a pill when you're right. You should be doing some moderate exercise, yeah. eating clean food, taking some targeted, you know, vitamin supplementation. Yeah. And and you could you could you won't have to go to the doctor. I mean, I, I tell everybody, I tell my patients, don't trust these doctors and not me. I mean, trust, you know, I'll I'll earn your trust. Don't give it to anybody. But we have a healthcare system that will that will put you through a whole bunch of expensive procedures. They'll try to cut your, you know, cut parts of your body out, your ovaries, you know, your uterus, your appendix, your gallbladder. I mean, you could have solved the gallbladder problem with a better diet and some targeted supplementation. But no, we'll just cut it out Mm -hmm. and and and, you know, let you suffer from that point on because it pays better. But, you know, and the other part that people need to understand, if you think doctors know anything about nutrition, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, we get we get so little nutritional training in medical school. It's pathetic yeah. and it, it's by design. So when your doctors, you know, kind of dismiss your your supplement regimen or something like that, just take it with a grain of salt, because those guys, those guys and gals don't know what they're doing. I had to do a you know, a three-year nutritional fellowship to even begin to get a basis in it. Now, I've always been interested in in nutrition. And in fact, I, before I went to the summer before medical school, I worked for a, um, a good, you know, health uh, nutritional company here in my market called Aikens and got a, you know, a really good kind of basis going into it. I've been in martial arts my whole life. My, my master, um, uh, Taekwondo master, you know, he, he taught us all about green tea and omega three and all the things that made him at 50, still able to, you know, do back turning kicks like a 25 year old. So I always had a good basis and understanding and appreciating nutrition, but I just realized, wow, that's all we're going to get in medicine. You know, uh, a couple of weeks, you know, a, a, a half of a book or something. I mean, it's, it's yeah. pathetic. 
So when your doctors, you know, um, kind of poo poo your vitamin D supplementation, just, just realize they don't, you know, they don't know what they're talking about there. They didn't get enough training and they don't understand the power of, of nutritional supplementation and their, and, and their approach to medicine. It's a big part of my approach. All you, need is a, all you need is a Centrum Silver. Yeah, yeah, right. You ever seen yeah. Just go to Walmart. Like, I have, the yeah. The smallest amounts. It's like you might as well just take a drink of water. That's exactly right. I mean, you, you know, it's uh, you got to know, you do need to know what you're doing when you, know, you go to somebody that's actually well-trained, has lots of experience in it. And you're going to get, you're going to get a better level of experience at many of your, you know, good, you know, long long in existence health food stores than you ever will from a medical clinic. Um, we're just not trained in that. No. So go to, you know, go to a practitioner that has some basis of knowledge. They may not have, you know, they probably won't have an MD or a DO or some other, you know, professional degree behind their name, but I guarantee you there's, there's, you know, some lay people out there that know about a million times more about nutrition than a doctor ever will. So tell me about um, your approach in your clinic. Now, where are you out of again? I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, oh, okay. But, I, you know, for about, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm a different type of doctor than most people will go to. I've been doing telemedicine in 26 states. I'm licensed to practice medicine in 26 states. Uh, a lot. In Oregon? What's that? In Oregon? Not in Oregon yet. Coming soon. You know, I was just in Oregon. Um, I don't know. Uh, this, um, I Washington. Yeah, I am in, I am in Idaho. I'm in Washington, mm -hmm. you know, and, and about 23 other States. So yeah, we're, we're, I will be in Oregon pretty soon We're we continue to add when, when I add more patients to a, any given state, but you know, I do a lot of uh, consultation via telemedicine. So you can, you know, you can actually find me at mehanmd.com. That's M E E H A N M D.com. And my approach to medicine is, um, focus on the root causes. Um, I teach my patients to become a scientist of their own health, mm -hmm. to do their own research, to, I push them and point them in the direction of some of the best resources. You know, if you want to, if you want to, for example, if you, you know, I often use examine.com for individual nutrients. Um, I use consumerlabs.org to, you know, consumerlabs.org is kind of like consumer reports for supplement brands to tell you, do they have in them what they say they have in them, the levels? Do they, are they contaminated with, you know, um, additives and mercury and things like that? So um, I kind of give them the resources so they can do their own research. And I, I, you know, I'm, nutrition is a huge part of my approach to medicine. Um, you know, we, number one, we should make the food we eat our medicine. Food is, let food be thy medicine. Mm -hmm. And, um, and when you, you know, when you start realizing that, much of the produce and the, the meats and the, you know, industrial chicken and, and some of the, the, the crap that we eat is, you know, essentially toxic waste right. at the ways it's being produced that you need to, you need to find local sources of your fruits yeah. and vegetables and chicken and meat. And it needs to be grass fed, free range, all of those kind of things that they're lying to us about the the GMOs and the, um, the fact that most of the genetically modified, you know, wheat and corn and soybeans are heavily contaminated with an uh, endocrine disruptor and a, you know, a disease causing 
ingredient called glyphosate. And that glyphosate is everywhere in our food or water. It's in our, it's yeah. 75% of the rainfall yeah. in the United States and it gets in your body and it destroys your gut microbiome. So we focus on the microbiome. In fact, I develop a system called mindset and it's an acronym for the seven key elements of health, wellness, and vitality. The M stands for that, that mind body connection and the, and the gut microbiome, the microbiome. I is inflammation control. Um, N is nutrition, D is detoxification, S is sleep, mm-hmm. uh, E is exercise, and T is total hormone balance. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, if we don't get those seven key elements and, and optimal function, if any one of those, like some people might be, you know, eating the best diet in the world, great targeted supplementation, but for one reason or another, they're sleeping horribly, you know, lightly. They're not spending time in deep sleep. If any one of those seven elements is out of balance, the body's going to suffer. So, you know, we try to, uh, we try to get your, your, your nutrition on point, your sleep deep. And we use, you know, different technologies to help you to better measure. And, and some of those technologies, like if you want to um, test your thyroid, measure your body temperature upon first awakening. It's low tech stuff many times, you know, um, check your body temperature upon awakening. If your temperature is a degree or more lower than 98.6, 97.5 or less, you probably, your thyroid is under functioning. It's, you know, one thing or another is attacking your thyroid. And often it can be a disruption of the gut microbiome. And, you know, every time you eat a plate of nachos with GMO corn chips, you're, you're killing off good bacteria in the gut with that glyphosate, which is a patented antibiotic. It's like taking a dose of antibiotics. You know, we, we anytime somebody um, takes a dose, you know, their doctor prescribes a dose of antibiotics, which we're overusing. I mean, the, the number of times that doctors are prescribing an antibiotic for a, you know, seasonal allergy or a viral infection is ridiculous. It's causing more harm than good. Not only is it creating resistant strains of bacteria, but it's destroying that important balance, that ecosystem of bacteria in your gut. So we, we try to clean all that stuff up and give them the tools that they need to become a scientist of their own health, because you got to do it yourself, ladies and gentlemen, you got to figure this out. You need to become, you know, a, a little bit more proficient and, and understanding what you can do to improve your health. And then you won't have to go to this broken healthcare system. That's just going to use you. It's going to ignore the root cause, put a bandaid on every one of the symptoms. And before you know it, you're sicker um, than when you began the whole process. You know, who's going to be able to, who knows your body better than you and who's going to ever put as much time into learning what needs to be learned about your symptoms, about the root causes, about what things work with your body well to help you in those things than you. But you know, you want to partner with a medical professional if that medical professional has experience in holistic health, right? And nutrition, even better, you know, yeah. because they're gonna they're they're gonna be able to you're gonna be able to bounce some ideas off them. And the thing about it too is we need to be in tune with our health, right? Like because we've developed the system where we have a pill for every L and we have this, this system where everything that, you know, we get steered on a path because of our insurance dollars. Right. So right. we're, we're going to follow the path of least resistance, which is the path that's paid for. Um, and so it really limits us in trying other things. And so we we've kind of abdicated our responsibility to be in tune to our own bodies. Right. 
you know, it's even like we think, oh, well, you know, it's, you know, at some point, you know, this, if this catches up and we wait till we have a, tra- a crisis, a health crisis. Right. And then it's like, oh no, you know, all the alarms are going off. And, um, and really uh, the old saying, an ounce of prevention is where the pound of cure is so true. So true. And, you know, all the things you teach and all the things we teach here at Nature's Pantry are all about, let's optimize health with the fundamental health principles, you know, you know, the eight natural doctors, sleep, exercise, Mm -hmm. nutrition, you know, moderation, you know, we just, these things are just, we, we, they're, they're simple, but they really are powerful, but it's not something that you're going to get results on in a health crisis. You know, it's going to take time, but if you do them, you know, before that, it's going to really help you. Yeah. Um, so tell well, me, I, I would, I would only, the only thing I would say is sometimes those nutrients can really help in a health crisis like right. COVID-19, you know, that, right. that high dose vitamin C, vitamin D, quercetin, driving that sure. zinc, you know, quercetin opens up those zinc channels, allows the zinc to enter your cells, man, there's some power. Nature is full of power. Most right. of the pharmaceuticals are an adulterated version of what nature naturally provides. And if you, if you become you know, more focused on that approach. And you, you know, you learn a little bit every day, just set a a little part of each week to begin with, just learning something that can impact positively your health. You know, maybe start with the importance of vitamin D and how you can get it naturally from sun. And when you can't, um, how to, you know, dose it properly, but man, it's, you know, don't disregard the therapeutic effect of supplementation when you're Bodies inflamed because we right. we most of it can be done with supplements and it doesn't need to be done with anything else. That's a really great point, and I've experienced that myself. Like really fast results from certain things if it's the right thing at the right time. Right. Um, vitamin C, I've had huge results with oregano oil. Um, yeah, absolutely yeah. love oregano oil. Yeah, I almost always use it. I mean, it's a great natural mm-hmm. antibi- antibiotic and mm-hmm. um, you antiviral, know antiviral, antifungal. Yep. It's really a good one. The first time I did, I tried that because people have been talking to me about it and I was working here at Nature's Pantry and they, they keep talking about it. And I'm like, you know, I don't need that. I have the, th- you know, the C and the things I do that work just fine. Well, the first time I tried that, I had a cold coming on and I took it three times that day with food and the stages of the cold went, went by in hours. It was like yeah. 24 hours. It was gone and gone through all the stages, you know, sore throat, the the congestion, the cough mm-hmm. was all like very mild and very quick. Whereas yeah. normally if I had just let that go or back in the day when I had a terrible diet and lifestyle and didn't know any of these things and just ate tons of sugar, you know, it would have been like each stage would have been several days and then a week. And then I would have been like, you know, four weeks, the cough still, I'd be like, go to the doctor, get antibiotics, you know, mm-hmm. wipe out all the bacteria in my whole s- system. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and this, I, I'm just thinking as you're talking about that and, you know, um, kind of looping back to what I was talking about, the corruption of the medical research. You know, one of the things that this, this pharmaceutical industry and the medical establishment has spent a lot of time and money doing is, is buying research that to try to discredit things like vitamin C and vitamin D, you know, it's, and that's the enemy that we're working against here is that they, they will actually, you know, it's very easy to go find some doctor that will sign off on something that was created in the marketing department of Merck or Pfizer, they'll put their name on it, but it's, you know, it's bought and paid for, um, fraudulent 
research that will attack vitamin D or vitamin C. I mean, you got to, you really have to work hard to conduct a study that, you know, brings some kind of disfavor on some of these essential nutrients like D and C, you know, and, they, and yet they do it. And so many doctors are, they, they get fed that nonsense. The, 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 the pharmaceutical reps, you know, uh, understand the system that manipulates our medical decision-making attractive, charismatic yeah. pharmaceutical reps, you know, yeah. they're all tall and beautiful, handsome, <laughs> and they come in with a hot meal and basketball tickets or concert tickets. And, and Hey doc, here's the latest research on our drug and why you don't want to use vitamin D or C. I mean, I kid you not, that's, that's the system that has been developed to try to keep you off of the path of real health and wellness. And in this pharmaceutical, you know, mess that is doing nothing, but creating one of the sickest populations on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. The drug rep thing just blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, so, it, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say it's, it's, it's perfectly designed to get the results that they want. You know, that's the one never under, never, never underestimate an industry that has so much power and yeah. so much wealth to create a system that really ends up brainwashing the, you know, many of my colleagues in medicine. Right. right. It's like the RDA um, recommended daily amount. Oh of, yeah. Uh, recommended di dietary amount of vitamin C is like 90 milligrams. Yeah. Um, and that might be enough to like keep you from getting scurvy. Scurvy. Yeah. Um, but that's, it's probably that's right. not enough to like lead to optimal health and it's probably not enough to like reverse or help fight any disease. Um, right. Thomas Levy, who is one of the foremost experts in vitamin C in the world, Right. recommends anywhere between 6,000 and 12,000 milligrams a day. Absolutely. Um, Linus Pauling, who has, who had a, the Linus Pauling health Institute here in um, Corvallis, Oregon. Um, he was taking like 18,000 milligrams a day towards the last years of his life. Yeah. When I, when I had COVID, I was taking um, 25 to 30,000 milligrams in yeah. divided doses. You know, yeah. you got to understand it's a water soluble, yeah. you know, um, but you, you know, it was, it, yeah. And you'll have some bile tolerance issues and mm -hmm. understand that I, I knew it of its benefits and um, I would have liked to have gotten it, you know, IV or, or some other way, but I had it right there in the cabinet and I was, I was trying to get 30,000 milligrams in me and it shut down COVID like you wouldn't believe. And, um, you know, mild, taking, mild case. I took the same. I took what well, I've been taking roughly 8,000 to 12,000 a day for pretty much two years because. I yeah, that's about that. the dose that I typically take as well. So 30,000, like I was already I'm tolerant sick. to it. Yeah. I, I say, you know, most people cannot take 25 to 30,000, but yeah. if you've been taking, you know, reasonable doses, six to 12,000 milligrams, which I, I typically take at least, you know, 8,000. And, and so 30,000 was, I could tolerate, um, get yeah. to the point where you can tolerate 30,000 and you're probably one of the healthiest people on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, pretty much when I hit about, if I take like six, five or 6,000 at a time when I'm healthy, I'm like, Oh, okay. So I have to, I have to space it out like two or three times a day, three or 4,000. Yeah. It was just about right for me. But when I was sick, I can take 10,000 at a time. No problem. Yes. Well, that's exactly right. Cause your body is consuming that rapidly and you, that's when you need higher doses. And again, when I'm talking about, I'm talking about just how I treat myself, 
you know, no medical recommendations here, but I'm, I'm, I know that my body needs that vitamin C to put out the fires of inflammation, to refresh the antioxidant capabilities of many of our other, you know, antioxidant systems. And so I'm taking a, a, you know, high levels that I would recommend for many patients, but I'm also, you know, like what I try to do, just, I use a powder vitamin C, put it in a, um, a gallon jug of water, um, you know, put my whole, I would put my whole 24 to 30,000 milligrams in that. And I just sip on it continuously throughout the day. So Ooh, I'm getting like idea. continuous micro doses. Yeah. And it's uh man, you do that when you have any infection and it, it shuts down very quickly. Yeah. I teach all my patients, those kind of principles. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point. Cause I found I was taking like 10,000 at a time, but I actually started to find it to be more effective when I was taking more like 2000 at a time more often. Yes, that's exactly right. So yeah. if, if I'm dosing somebody and they're just using a capsule or a tablet, mm-hmm. I'll tell them, you know, if you can do, you know, 50 to a thousand milligrams every 30 minutes, um, you know, during that acute stage of COVID or any, you know, infection process that, that the small doses more frequently will be more tolerable. And it'll also give you yeah. more consistent blood levels. Yeah. So you don't get the peaks and valleys and yeah. that's a good way to do it. But yeah, that's interesting because yeah. I had COVID and I was um, taking high amounts and I was like, huh. and then I was trying to just take all this, you know, but I, but once I started to focus more and just go, okay, I know that I'm supposed to take this. So I divided it out and was just taking like every hour, like a couple thousand. That's and I right. it was like, yep. it was like, boom, it started really working way better. Yeah. Yep. That's um, the way to do it. Well, I want to, um, here in the last few minutes, um, I wanted to mention one thing you said about, you know, the, the vaccine schedule for children. You know, I think that mm. we weren't really so skeptical about the vaccines until they started trying to force this on everybody. Then it's right. like, whoa, hit the brakes. Yeah. Like, is this all what we think it is? Um, and so I think uh, I think it's a good point, like you said, in 1986, when they passed that um, immunity for pharmaceutical companies, you know, and and the vaccine doses started increasing a lot. And, right. and if we if we realize the vaccine, the pharmaceutical companies need vaccines to stay profitable and to stay in business, um, mm-hmm. it kind of changes our perspective. Like, are these really what's great? And I saw a chart that was put out by a gal who actually was a pharmaceutical rep for Merck for many years. And she came out and started talking, speaking out against them because of a drug. Um, I can't remember Lasix or no, it wasn't that it was um, something that's something like that. But Mm -hmm. she was like, well, they knew for six years, this was hurting people and they kept pushing it until Vioxx. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then she actually was, um, learn the risk was the organization she started. Yeah. Brandy Vaughn. Yeah. Yeah, Brandy Vaughn. And, um, so she actually passed away, unfortunately. And yeah, she did a couple years ago. Um, kind of odd timing, but she, yeah. um, but she, you know, did a lot of work about making people aware, learn the risk about vaccines. You know, maybe there's a benefit, but we need to learn the risk about these. Right. And, and one of the, the, the flyers I saw that she put together was showed a graph of five different infectious diseases that happened in the 1900s or over yes. whatever time span. And they all basically mm-hmm. followed the exact same curve and three of them had vaccines introduced and That's two right. of them in it, and they all follow yeah. the exact same curve. And another thing that is important to remember during that time frame is that we had things like 
automobiles. So there wasn't so much horse crap and animal crap in the streets. We had the improvement of indoor plumbing and running water and, you know, uh, sanitation. And we had um, people were washing their hands more. And we had situations where we had the the transportation industry was where we could get more nutrients and more food to more places and to more people. Yeah. Um, Those are some considerations that that I you know, it's possible that those might deserve as much credit as vaccines. Oh, they deserve all the credit. Um, they deserve all the credit. The vaccines have not the, are not the modern miracle that we've been led to believe. I, you know, I went down this. I started down that rabbit hole 20 years ago. And as a medical editor, that is very um, I'm an expert in recognizing good science and separating it from bad. The, the, the science that we're using to support childhood vaccines is tobacco science. It's bad science. We're not doing randomized controlled trials with inert placebos and a large population of of children where, you know, one group gets vaccinated and the other group does not. And we compare their health outcomes because every time that we do a study of that nature, and there's been four very important studies that looked at vaccinated versus unvaccinated populations, we find that the vaccinated population is dying at a higher rate, is sicker than the unvaccinated population. Mm -hmm. I've, I've looked at every study on vaccines in the last 20 years. In fact, I'm in the middle of a project right now um, where uh, I'm, I'm the director of the Vaccine Science Foundation because I want to expose the low level type of science that they're using. Observational studies conducted in the Netherlands, for example, they're, they're the level of science that is supporting an, a medical intervention that is given to healthy, you know, um, children. They don't have a disease process. We're not creating a disease process in which the risk to benefit analysis is, you know, it, you, maybe you've got a bad disease and you've got a risky intervention that could cause inflammation in the brain, um, damage the brain or their health in some way. That's, you know, that's not the situation that we're in here. We're taking healthy children. We're giving them a medical intervention. The safety studies have to be done in that situation. And the safety Oops, lost you there for a minute again. One of the things um, I really liked what you said for parents on your website, you have heading down fast because of all of those other, you know, sanitation and clean water and refrigeration, uh, you know, better, better um, dietary control in the population. It had nothing to do with the vaccines. Um, uh, the I, I let me just summarize it like this. I know probably as much as any person on the planet about the science of vaccines, mm-hmm. and I have chosen not to vaccinate my grandchildren. And I stopped vaccinating my children as soon as I woke up to what was happening. The problem is, you know, I, I think that the the biggest problem that we have we have created is that we're bypassing the natural exposure. Um, of the of the pathogen at the level of the mucosa our d- immune systems are designed to first encounter the pathogen in the nose and the eyes the ears the mouth and that's how it you create a robust immune response when you inject the the pathogen or pieces of it into the, the whole thing the natural and not only are you bypassing it you are shifting the immune system in a direction that will cause hyper autoimmunity, hyper inflammatory disease, 
um, you're creating, you're creating an autoimmune nightmare. And, you know, the children of the United States have been suffering under this, this false narrative that vaccines are safe and effective and the science is settled and vaccines don't cause autism. That's all unsupportable in a court of law. Wouldn't a jury would find them, you know, liars, but, they, um, my grandchildren are unvaccinated because I know that we can treat the disease. We can optimize the health of the immune system. You, know, you can treat pertussis with vitamin C. You know, you can, you can, every one of the childhood vaccine preventable diseases can be treated with, um, and we don't have to, you know, we don't have to give hepatitis B to every child on the first day of life. The, you know, the other problem besides, you know, Dr. injecting Brian, the, What's Sorry, that? Dr. Brian Artis says we don't that vaccine lasts for 12 years. And the way you get hepatitis B is from um, sex and hard drugs. So I don't that's, think we need to protect our kids from zero to 12 from that. That's exactly right. You know, that hepatitis B vaccine also has a toxic dose of mm-hmm. aluminum adjuvant. This is the other the other problem that the vaccine industry has created is they've started using you know, young children don't have um, a, a, an immune system that's intact. I mean, it's a immature developing an immune system. You give a newborn a hepatitis B vaccine and it will, that immune system can't do anything with it. So they add aluminum because it stimulates the immune cells to come to the area and recognize the antigen. But at the same time that the immune cells are coming to the injection site, they're picking up that aluminum adjuvant. Macrophages are, are, gobbling up pieces of that aluminum and then they carry it within themselves and then they end up depositing it in some other tissue when they're caused called to the brain because of the the um, inflammation and increased metabolism that's occurring in the brain after a child is injured and traumatized from that the pain of that injection that macrophage is transporting that aluminum to the brain the aluminum is then deposited in the brain and causes a massive inflammatory cytokine storm. And it's that storm created by aluminum adjuvants and other, you know, ingredients, polysorbate 80 another common ingredient added to vaccines, mm-hmm. opens up the brain, blood brain barrier. Mm-hmm. So now we're, we're allowing things that should not bypass the blood brain barrier entering the brain. You know, I will, I will say definitively, I can defend it in court. Vaccines cause autism. They don't, they don't just cause autism. They cause encephalitis. They cause brain inflammation. And that brain inflammation can take a child's brain that's developing and and damage it in a way that can be permanent or very difficult to um, treat. I have heard of some folks trying to do heavy metal detoxes uh, for autism and having some success. I don't really know. uh, Yeah, I have a play is good. And um, go ahead. Well, I, I have a gentle detoxification kind of protocol. I mean, again, contact me at mehanmd.com. Um, I think it's on my, it's one in one of my blog posts, but you know, that aluminum is, is neurotoxic. It's one of the most, you know, cell damaging um, uh, light metals that the, the body will ever see. And it doesn't have any systems for removing it. Um, Christopher, actually one of the, yeah. the world renowned experts on aluminum toxicity has found that, that, um, uh, silicated mineral waters, Fiji, Gerald Steiner. Um, Fiji actually has a pretty good level of silica, uh, silicated um, mineral content. And that silica can help chelate and carry away some of that aluminum from its deposition in the tissues of the body. So yeah. there are ways to 
um, for, you know, children that have been harmed and are, their brains are inflamed and they're, you know, they, you've lost them. You know, we have here in Oklahoma, we have many doctors who lost their child to a battery of vaccines. Dr. Uh, Stephanie Christner lost her six month old, her daughter at six months of age to a battery of vaccines. And we have, it's one of why we're one of the most powerful medical freedom states in the country, because we have so many physicians here that watch their children be harmed. And, you know, I'm very active in that movement because I I've seen the evidence. I've talked to the parents. I've seen these vaccine injuries that their pediatrician was denying. And, you know, so my message to, to everyone is um, number one is the science that you think is settled, that they tell you is settled and that vaccines are safe and effective. That is that science does not exist. It's tobacco science. They're lying to you. Um, When we do, you know, controlled studies, observational studies as pediatrician, Dr. Paul Thomas recently published, what do they do? They attack him. You know, the medical board of Oregon is a corrupt institution. Um, I, I, you know, at my speech in Oregon recently, I put him on notice. I said, you are corrupt. What you did is you took good science and you try to suppress it because it attacks your profit motives. You know, vaccines are very profitable to medical you know, especially pediatricians, they make a lot of money providing those well child visits, the biggest marketing scam in the history of medicine. It's not a well child visit. It's a vaccine administration visit. Right. And there's a reason why, you know, American children are some of the sickest children on the planet. You know, we're the most vaccinated population. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, I was actually going to bring up Dr. Paul Thomas, who the Oregon medical board pulled his medical license um, because he was allowing his patients, his, the parents of ch- his children, uh, the patients there to not vaccinate if they chose not to. And he wasn't pressuring them to do so. That, that, that is ethical medicine, Blake. Mm-hmm. That's the way it should be done. We should be providing informed consent. We should be telling patients, look, you know, um, the, the vaccine compensation program has paid out, you know, what is it? Uh, probably about 5 billion at this point and right. vaccine injuries that there is a chance that your child could be um, could be injured by vaccines or even killed. There are, you know, uh, several hundred deaths every year from vaccines. So there is a risk. Yep. And, and Dr. Paul Thomas, not only did he have his medical license taken from him without good reason, they did it five days after he had published a study of, of his um, pediatric population data that showed an increased incidence of injury and um, disease process in his, in the population. The more vaccinated you were, the more times that you were going to the doctor for um, problems associated with your health. Health diminishes. And again, four um, very large studies, good studies have been done looking at comparing vaccinated versus unvaccinated populations. Every one of them have shown a tremendous increase in asthma, autism, um, psoriasis, ADD, the list goes on. I mean, 33 times increased incidence of asthma in a vaccinated population. Is diabetes increased in those studies? It absolutely is. I mean, the, I'll, you know, I'll tell you another thing about the pertussis vaccine, the pertussis toxin that's in the vaccine. You can, if you want to induce, um, uh, diabetes in a lab animal, you inject them with, you purchase pertussis toxin from the medical supply 
and you inject that. That's how you create diabetes is the pertussis toxin. And we're administering it to our children. And And diabetes is one of the 21 chronic diseases that um, 54% of American children are suffering today. What age do they get that vaccine typically? The pertussis. So they get they get the pertussis vaccine at, at several you know several stages, and I, I think it's at three months, six months, nine months, and maybe twelve months. I, I my, don't know. My two, our daughter was diagnosed with type one diabetes at two years old. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, to me that's a vaccine injury until proven otherwise, and this is what they won't. You know, you, you can't imagine the amount of cover-up that is happening at, well, maybe you can in this day and age, because we know that these COVID-19 vaccines are killing far more people than we're being told. I mean, there's over 25,000 deaths in the the um, VAERS database, which captures a fraction of all the, the deaths and injury. Um, they've been covering up this nonsense and the deaths in the childhood vaccine program for a very long time. In fact, if you haven't seen Vaxxed from cover up to catastrophe, the documentary by Dell Bigtree and An- Andrew Wakefield, you got to watch that. It really, that was one of the things that really woke me up to the level of fraud. We had a CDC scientist, you know, participate in a study that was meant to, um, uh, to demonstrate that the MMR vaccine was not the cause of autism that many people were complaining. Many parents were complaining. Um, and so they did this study in 2000 and published it in 2004 a study that was supposed to only take six months started in early 2000 um, took four years until they published it. And then 10 years later, one of the lead scientists, Dr. William Thompson came out and out of his guilt and shame. And that's a direct quote out of his guilt and shame. He admitted to Brian Hooker, um, an investigator that was looking into these kind of issues that, if you look at the MMR autism study, you'll find something very interesting. Brian Hooker went looking and eventually in that conversation, they've all been recorded. They're, they're demonstrated in that documentary. Um, Dr. William Thompson, the lead epidemiologist and statistician in that study said, they, we found a um, 340% increased incidence of autism in African-American boys that got the, the MMR vaccine according to the CDC schedule and a 700% increase incidence to autism in perfectly healthy children that had never had a medical condition that got vaccinated seven times more, 700% increase incidence of autism in those populations. They found a very strong correlation between the MMR vaccine and the development of autism or autism spectrum disorder in that population. And they, Thompson reported, they called us into a room. They told us to destroy our documents. He knew that was illegal, unethical, and he kept his documents anyway. And he turned them over to Brian Hooker and um, uh, Senator, not Johnson, but he turned them over to Congress. And we're still waiting for Thompson to be taken from the CDC has been um, blocking his testimony to Congress to you know, testify on what he, um, what was, what he, the conversation that he had and the conversations that were recorded and um, testify about the fraud that the CDC did to cover up the, the association of the MMR vaccine and autism. (coughs) Our public health agencies are covering up for the pharmaceutical industry. They're not serving the public interest anymore. They're not protecting your children. 
they are subjecting them to vaccines and they're covering up the damage. And they're nowadays they're they're absolutely captured by pharma. And they are, you know, if they approve these COVID-19 vaccines for children, you're going to see more children die from the vaccine than uh, many times more will die from the COVID-19 vaccines than the virus could ever take out. Dr. Meehan, tell me, and on your website, you talk about the questions that parents can be asking their doctors. One is, what are the ingredients in the vaccine you are recommending for my child? Can I right. read the package inserts? Has Will you read to me the adverse reactions listed on the package insert? Has the CDC recommended childhood vaccine schedule ever been tested for safety when given multiple vaccines as listed on the CDC schedule in one visit? Does this particular vaccine contain micro-fragments of fetal DNA? And did this vaccine undergo gold standard inert placebo trials? Yeah, those are, <clears throat> those are the key questions. And the, the answer that you should receive to every one of those will wake you up. Yeah. Um, a big one that I've spoken a lot about is this, how the live virus vaccine are grown on an, a line of, a, of cells that were derived from an aborted fetal cell uh, and multiple aborted fetuses in the 1960s and 70s. Um, that's a, there's a real problem there, Blake, that um, we are injecting our children with the residual cellular proteins and um, micro fragments of DNA that contaminate that vaccine. They often say there aren't, you know, they'll try to obfuscate on this issue. If you ask them, are there aborted fetal cells in vaccines? No, it's not whole cells. So they'll say, no, there's no aborted fetal cells. They're, they're, that's a lie. They're obfuscating, right? But no, it's not whole cells. The cells are the substrate that the virus grows best, best in. They chose to use human cells because they can get more viral particles for the vaccines. It's a manufacturing, it's a marketing, it's a business decision. But wow. the problem with it is that when that, when that virus replicates in the cell and it bursts from the cell, leaving a, a damaged you know, cellular remnant. They can't purify that away. You can't just purify away and just get the viral pieces that you want. You get the entire, you get micro fragments of human DNA, the same kind of small fragments that we use in a lot of gene splicing technologies. Um, you get residual cellular proteins, and then those are being injected into our children and ourselves um, um, and, and they're, you know, they're meant to stimulate the immune system. Or, I mean, the, the vaccine, it comes with ingredients that will also stimulate the immune response to that, to that antigen or any antigen that's in the vaccine. So you can imagine that if, if you're programming your cell to react to the rubella vaccine or the chickenpox, the varicella vaccine, that if you've got human um, residual cellular proteins in there, there's a very good and almost you know, unlikely that it's not going to react to that. It's your immune cells are going to see that, that foreign um, human um, cellular protein material as a possible um, target for attack. And you're going to create autoimmune disease. And guess what we're seeing in the pediatric population? An explosion of autoimmune disease in these vaccinated children. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and so, you know, and then I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a fully devoted follower of Christ. And I believe if I had known, if I'd been given the informed consent when my children were being vaccinated, when I was still a, 
you know, well, before medical school and then even during medical school, I was, I, we had our, our last child born during my residency training. And I was still in that indoctrinated phase. I hadn't woke up to what was going on, but they never told me that we were, that they were using a product that was contaminated or, you know, cause any tainting within a, a child that was sacrificed of it at the moment of its birth to become a, you know, a substrate for manufacturing, that's abhorrent to me. And, and that's what's happening at the moment of that child's entrance into the world. It's captured in a saline bag. It's drowning as it's taken by the scientist to the vivisection table and it's ripped apart. So it's tissues can be harvested to, to get that cell line that they're going to use for the vaccine manufacturing. If I'd known that, no way I would have done that. And they're lying about that. They're not telling parents that they're not being even honest about it. Pfizer you know, got caught because they use aborted fetal cells to in the development and quality control process of their COVID vaccine. And they got caught and the whistle blown on them um, by one of their employees who, you know, exposed the, the emails where they were trying to not have that conversation with the public and the journalists. Right. So they've been they've been lying to us about that. I personally, I think it's you know, um, I think it's, you know, everything in, is spiritual warfare. And I think the enemy has been deceiving us to defile the bodies of our children with these, you know, health eroding, um, autoimmune um, causing, um, uh, you know, live virus vaccine grown on human aborted fetal cells for a long time, defiling their mind, body, their health, their spirit. And I, I think it's I think it's pretty satanic when you, you when you really look at what's going on. Of sacrificing a child and then injecting it into our children. It's, it's medically unjustifiable. If you are, yeah. If you are a child of God and, um, uh, you know, the enemy probably doesn't like you very much and wants to destroy. And if you can destroy the body and make yeah. you feel bad and have health issues, then, um, it's harder to fulfill your God given purpose in life. Exactly. Thank you. That's exactly right. Not only that, but for me, I got this message a long time ago. It's, um, you know, the, the vaccines, the drugs that we're using in medicine, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're separating us from God. It's hard to hear the voice of God when your brain's on fire, your body is sick, it's weak, you know, you're craving sugar and, you know, opioids and drugs of various kinds. I mean, when, our, when we're sick, it's, it's so much harder to fulfill your purpose that you were perfectly created for. It's hard to hear, harder to hear the voice of God. God will f- speak to you anyway, but we start to worship, you know, drugs and, you know, false idols of all kinds. You know, you, you're, you're eating the wrong foods, you're drinking the wrong drinks, you're taking the wrong drugs, and, and you got a medical system that will just pile on top of that. How do you hear the voice of God when you're so, you know, you're so high from, a pain pill or, you know, um, mind, Xanax. Body, mind, body, spirit are being numbed. Yes, that's it, brother. That's it right there. And that became a, that became a big part of my, you know, my transition and my approach to medicine is, is I'm a child of God. I love my, I love my neighbor. I love my patients. I love people. And my job is to get them out of that darkness so that they can hear the voice of God. That still small voice that is constantly there with this when they can reconnect with their creator, they can, they can um, fulfill that perfect, be back right on that perfect path that they were 
perfectly created for. Amen to that. And we were designed to heal. The body was designed to heal as well. It's unlimited in its potential to heal, Blake, if we just give it the right resources, you know, keep the bad stuff out and put the good stuff in. And we're just doing the opposite nowadays. I mean, you know, if not to get too spiritual on this, but I mean, I think you have to, I think that, you know, we are intentionally being poisoned. We're intentionally being diminished, weakened. We're much easier to control when, you know, when our bodies are inflamed and our brains are cloudy and foggy and, you know, you're, you're just looking for something to take you out of it. And the enemy's got, you know, I mean, the, the pharmaceutical industry is run by Satan, in my opinion. I mean, come on, it's pharmakia right from the Bible, sorcery. And they are, they are absolutely participating in a process that is diminishing us, you know, and, and if we don't wake up and break out of that process, we can't fight back. We just become the useless eaters that they believe us to be. You know, it's, I mean, it's the 1% trying to control the 99%. And, you know, the focus of a lot of my presentations are wake up people. It's time for the 99% to rise up, yeah. take back their health, reclaim everything that's being stolen from you and, um, and put this, this world back in the, uh, you know, dominion under God because mm-hmm. Satan has taken over. No, amen to that. And, you know, I think that's um, some encouraging words. And I think that we are, you know, I think people are waking up and, you know, Dr. Dr. Shiva talked about uh, truth, freedom, health, and how they're all connected. You can't have one with the other. other. You have to have health. You have to have truth to actually achieve health. You got to have health to be able to fight for freedom. And so we need to stand for those three things. And so we need to be, you know, uniting together on those things for truth, freedom, and health. And, you know, I think that, you know, we're at a, you know, the challenge equals the size of the opportunity. And so we have a huge opportunity before us to turn things for good, to turn things for health, to turn things for truth, to turn things for freedom. And, you know, it takes us to come together. And, and, you know, sometimes it takes a sacrifice, but there's a lot of people who have sacrificed before us to stand for freedom. And, you know, we can sacrifice, many people have sacrificed their lives. And I think we can sacrifice our comfort, our livelihoods, you know, some, some creature comforts to stand for what's right. Amen, brother. Come on, preach it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Meehan. Uh, appreciate you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us all your wisdom and insights. And again, you can learn more about Dr. Meehan at MeehanMD.com. And uh, also there's a book there that I didn't get, to, we didn't get to talk about today, but it's why wearing a mask makes healthy people sick. Um, and he ta- he really points out the actual science behind this and how the higher level science, which are meta-analysis of multiple randomized control trials, are all show masks are ineffective and harmful, um, whereas the studies done to show they are effective and helpful are low-level science. And yeah. uh, he goes through and breaks down all the science on that. Um, you can find that book at mehanmd.com as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's all there. Um, you know, that was that I watched him lie about the mass early on. I did a big analysis of all the medical literature, and I also broke down their lies, how they, you know, used a, um, a study in which they put a mask over a, cam- a hamster cage, but, you know, how they uh, used two Missouri hairdressers to, you know, to formulate their false narrative. They have used just low-level science to, to um, put a mask on us, which is probably one of the most harmful things that you could do when you have a 
highly transmissible respiratory virus. Here's the one point I'll, I'll conclude on this. If you have a virus like SARS-CoV-2 or influenza and a hundred years of science has said that doesn't do anything to mitigate influenza. But if you get SARS-CoV-2 in your body and you're wearing a mask, instead of exhaling those viral particles, you're going to catch them on the inside of that mask, a fraction of them. A lot of them just blow right through and then aerosolize. But you're going to breathe those viral particles and all the other bacteria and fungi that grow on the inside of the mask deep into your lungs. You're going to increase your viral disease. Again, why did they do this, Blake? I think they did it. They knew that it wouldn't work, but they also knew it had the potential to cause harm in the population. And that's what they were looking for. They were looking for more cases, more hospitalizations and more deaths because they had a, they, they were creating a pandemic that they were going to take advantage of as they have. They're trying to move us into mass surveillance and, you know, um, vaccinating the entire population. They're coming after the adults, by the way, it's the adult vaccine schedule is coming. They want you to catch up on all these, you know, 72 um, vaccines that children get. They want you to get them all plus endless number of boosters for SARS-CoV-2. So putting a mask, making you sick, making you weak, weak, deoxygenating, um, rebreathing your own um, oral bacteria deep into your lungs, causing an explosion and bacterial pneumonias and ulcers in the throat and the mouth. That's intentional. That's evil. You know, that's dark stuff being perpetrated on the population. Anthony Fauci is a liar. The whole public health agencies are caught in this web of darkness and they are causing harm in the population. It's time to get that mask off of you. It's especially important to get it off of children. Mm. They are being abused by these masks. Mm. It's a part of the grooming process that's going on. We're, we're weakening, we're sickening children. We're, we're destroying their education, their ability to see the faces and learn how to, you know, communicate and recognize that social interaction. That's it's, it's been proven so harmful and yet they're still talking about doing even more of it. If, if somebody is, is masking a child, they're a child abuser and they need to be held accountable for that crime. Amen to that. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And I know we could talk for another couple hours. Yeah. I'll let you go. I know you got things to do. And, you know, like Dr. Meehan says, you can be the scientist of your own health and your children's health. You know, we don't, we're not, we don't have to just say we're idiots and we don't know anything. And the experts always know everything. We know the most about our own bodies. Absolutely. And we can take back the power of our health and learn and educate ourselves. And as we say at Nature's Pantry, health is the greatest wealth. So invest in your health because you are worth it. And God bless you, Dr. Meehan. God bless everybody God bless for tuning in today. And, you know, just appreciate you and have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye now. Amen.